Welcome to Reflect the Life You Want, where we talk about not only how to survive, but to thrive. I'm your host, Tim Howard, man school strategist, former Army officer, successful Homes for Heroes real estate agent. This show will focus on living a life of greatness, of wholeness and completeness. This show will be talking about our dreams, our goals, and how to go about creating them. So join me to learn how to reflect and design the life you want to live. Well, this is Tim Howard, the host of Reflect the Life You Want. And I'm very excited this afternoon to have as a special guest, Jennifer Turnage, an entrepreneur and chief financial officer. We're going to have a great conversation, Jennifer. Thanks, Tim. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, you and I first connected not that long ago. One of my partners in my real estate business, Jenna Curry, now Jenna Curry Way, we were both yes. at her wedding not that long ago. I got yes. a chance to meet you and visit with you and your husband. Yes, that was a wonderful event and and great to meet people, but great to be able to get together and celebrate Jenna and Stan as well. Absolutely. And she is, she too is an entrepreneur and yes. one of those uh, really special ladies that I admire a great deal. So she attracts a number of great people around her and you're one of those great people. I got to experience meeting <laughs> that night. So, well, for our listeners that don't know you, I wondered if you would just kind of share your personal story a little bit, your professional background. What brings you to where you are right here and now today and what you got going on in life? Well, happy to share. And like most people, it's not a typical straight line from one place to <laughs> another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say I grew up in Winston-Salem in an entrepreneurial family mm-hmm. and then went with, to Western Carolina University. Got a degree in accounting and finance and moved to Raleigh and then joined uh, what became PricewaterhouseCoopers. Mm. So spent about the first 10 years of my career in public accounting, most of that on the audit side. But that's where I started working with software and technology companies. Ah. And so after I left that firm, my first role was a CFO of a technology company. And that started what's really become kind of the core of my career. Yeah. Uh, So did that for many years. And... Then went out on my own as a fractional chief financial officer. And some people wonder what that means. Mm -hmm. And the way I I describe it best is that my full-time job is being a part-time CFO. (laughs) So I work for a portfolio of clients, you could say. say. And along the way... um, with fortunately, I was blessed to have some successful exits with those technology companies and have mm. been able to become an angel investor and gradually finally worked my way to the coast and moved down to Wilmington for a full time live in about six years ago. A so great I place still to live. Wonderful. I, I joke that it took me my whole life to get here, but <laughs> I've been working my way to the coast, yeah. um, but still have a lot of connections in the triangle and other mm-hmm. parts of the tech community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really, that's where I, I kind of find myself still drawn to the finance side of things, um, but also particularly working with entrepreneurs and being an entrepreneur myself. Well, that's exciting to see that you made it to the coast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this this is an exciting community for startups and entrepreneurs. Uh, I've had a number of guests talking about the the Wilmington kind of ecosystem. It's one of the top spots in the world for a community of this size that fosters this culture of startups and entrepreneurs. I wonder what, what it is that you've experienced about that. It's definitely been surprising for me. I think particularly spending so much time in the Triangle, we think of Wilmington as the vacation destination. Mm-hmm. And when you're when you're here on the weekends, it's very different. But what I found in Wilmington is more what I would say I found 
in in the triangle, and I'm going to date myself here, but like in the early 90s, like mm-hmm. in the early part of the, the tech community when the CED was was very active, and, and they still are very active, but we had a small group of people who supported each other. Mm-hmm. So you had the entrepreneurs, but you also had the service providers, and you had technical resources, and all of these skills came together mm-hmm. to help each other. Mm-hmm. And then you started to have serial entrepreneurs who were reinvesting, people who were starting other companies because they had successful exits. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing that I see here in Wilmington. It's that smaller community where everybody can really help each other out. And it's not competitive. It's collaborative. That's that's a beautiful word and mindset to have, (laughs) collaborative. So people are intentional about helping one another to have success. Yes, yes, and really looking out for each other, supporting each other through the good times and the bad times and being resources to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Not always looking to, say, make their next sale, but looking to be of service, knowing that, you know, this helps the community, this helps everyone, this is just the right thing to do, and you find a lot more joy in it. The the rising tide raises all ships kind of Exactly, exactly. Excellent. Yeah, we were talking a little bit ahead of the show around what's got you fired up right now. And uh, I wondered if you would just share what you're thinking about. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the things that, that has is, is on my mind a lot right now, and a lot of people are thinking about it too, we hear about it in the news, is looming recession. Are mm-hmm. we in a recession? Mm-hmm. Uh, are we going to be in a recession? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And I think that brings up fear in a lot mm-hmm. of people. It's a very natural reaction, and, and it's probably my first reaction. But mm-hmm. then after I have a, a chance to really process it, when I, when now when I hear the word recession, I think of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be buying opportunities. Yep. There's going to be opportunities to create and to fill gaps and to really rethink life. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's very personal to me because the first time I became an entrepreneur – was in a recession Mm. in 2008, I lost my corporate job. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, wow, you know, that what I thought was a safety net really wasn't. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was recently divorced. I had two children in private school. Mm. I needed to earn a living. (laughs) I was very (laughs) motivated. But I looked at it and I said, I want to have more control over my income and over my livelihood and my profession. Mm -hmm. And that's when I chose to become an entrepreneur. Awesome. And so I, I, that comes back to me every time I hear recession. I'm like, oh, this is an opportunity where there will be people who are displaced, and it may be the right time for them to go out on their own and take more control over their lives. And I think now compared to that time period, I think we're all already rethinking our lives anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what do we want in our life? And that this may be a time where people can step back, think about where they really want to be, and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the whole COVID experience we had has a lot of people have been through that journey in the last two, three years, really yeah. reevaluating things. Right. And and sometimes sometimes you have to be thrown off the boat to learn how to swim. <laughs> 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 yeah. Left to our own devices, we'll just keep riding down Yeah. You know, ride riding down the creek on the on the boat without jumping off. But when you're thrown off, that's when that's when you may take have that opportunity. And yeah. You have to see it as an opportunity and get past that initial fear. I'm going to jump ahead ahead of the show. Um, I had you look at the reflect acrostic. So reflect the life you want is the name of this podcast. It's also the theme 
of the Mirror Book, co-authored by Maria Spears, will be coming out later this year. But I asked you which of those chapters kind of resonated with you, and you're kind of speaking to it right now. But it's like yeah. to recognize the power to change. I'm wondering why that especially resonates with you. I, I think that really resonates with me because I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and sometimes they fall into two categories. And there's the category of people who've, I would say, been talking about being an entrepreneur for years. Mm-hmm but they've never actually taken that first step. Mm -hmm. And then you meet these other people who they never thought about it at all. They just started doing it. it. There's almost two extremes, but I I probably fall in the middle because I do that finance background. I I can be, yeah, I like my list making. (laughs) I like having goals. But what I found is when you really take your time to write down your goals, figure out what actions you need to take to achieve the goal, and then you actually map it out down to, you know, what am I going to do this month, this week, or today? Mm-hmm. And once you start taking the action to hit your goal, mm-hmm. that's when you see that forward progress. And I think that's what stood out to me because often we have to get out of our head and stop thinking about it and just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, action is my word of the year for 2022. And some days I feel pretty good about the actions I'm taking, and other days I'm like, I need to take more action. <laughs> <laughs> but it is something you have to think about every yeah. single day. Absolutely. Otherwise, we'll say, oh, I'll do it next week. Yeah. I'll do it next month, and it yeah. doesn't get done. Yeah. Yeah, another thing related to this you and I were talking is um, this idea that, you know, for women especially, like trusting your intuition— Yes, yes. I think that's something that that I have learned and I've seen it, I've experienced it, is I think often we can can make decisions in our head. We get very analytical. We think Mm -hmm. of the pros and the cons and the data. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes we make decisions really from our gut Mm -hmm. um, or maybe it's fear or excitement. It Mm -hmm. could be positive or negative. But I think when we really slow down and listen, it's what we feel in our heart. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to follow. Mm-hmm. And I've also found, I've found and, and seen this helping other people as well, is that, you know, if you're facing a decision, you think about all the different decisions you can make and just mm-hmm. close your eyes, be very quiet, speak it out loud mm-hmm. and observe, where did I feel that in my body? Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And when you feel that in your heart, you know that's the right answer. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're, we're guided that way. Mm-hmm. And I think particularly as women, often we get very busy. We maybe mm-hmm. focus on what we think we're supposed to be doing or what other people say we should be doing, and we want to overthink it. And sometimes mm-hmm. we just need to go to that place of quiet mm-hmm. and just listen to what we feel and trust that instinct mm-hmm. and, and then take the action on it. That's powerful advice, Jennifer. <laughs> that, that fits in really nicely with some skills and routines and habits that we encourage in the women's school. Uh, my co-author, Maria Spears, used to, she has a coaching business for women and then for the man's school. But we teach, like, how do you develop those morning routines to get quiet, whether it's prayer yes. or meditation or just being quiet and listening and journaling and other things. But what's, what's rising up? What's in my mind? What do I need to go take action upon? And I think that's a good point is also knowing when is that time of day for you Mm. and and where is that place you have to go. Mm. Um, I think I have have two places 
that I'm the most creative and one I recognized on my own and one it was pointed out by one of my business partners. Okay. Um, but one was that in the morning, that time between sleep and awake. Yeah. And so I'll keep a journal beside my bed or you know, a pad of, pad of paper and a pen because mm-hmm. that's when I get I'm very creative in that time before I actually get up and start my day. Mm. Um, and so then are coming up they mind. are, and they've been percolating, I think, mm-hmm. all night. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to, and it, I know that I need to stop and savor that. Yes. Because once I get up and start taking care of everything, it's gone. Um, but my other creative spot is when I'm driving in the car. Oh. And I'll, I'll do voice memos and, and things like that. I might mm-hmm. make a call. But that was one of my business partners pointed out. She goes, Sometimes I'm afraid to hear from you after you've been on a road trip. <laughs> She said, your mind's just going. <laughs> but I think it has something to do with that stepping away from the everyday, yeah. kind of having something that keeps you occupied, but still um, kind of disengages parts of the brain and really lets the creativity come out. And so even if just a few minutes, but knowing knowing what that place is for you so you can stay there as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have some similar things I'll do. I'll, I'll keep something near the bed or I'll shoot an email to myself or... A voice memo, like you said, but it's like when you have that idea, you don't want to lose it. Right. So it's like, right. let me get that down now so I can come back to it later and say, okay, I said, this idea came to mind. What do I want to do with that? Right. And, and sometimes you look at that idea and you're like, interesting, but that's not going any further. <laughs> <laughs> Other times you look at it and you're like, okay, there's maybe something there. Well, the interesting thing, too, for me sometimes is that the idea came to mind, but it's not necessarily for me. Mm-hmm. But it's like then later that day I run into somebody and they have they start talking about something. And you like, you know, I woke up thinking about that very same thing. And then it's like they got this great idea and it's like, but I don't know how to do it. And then it's like, oh, well, let me connect you with so-and-so that has expertise in that or his been down that path and it's like so it's i meant to get ready to help this person but it may be someone else who actually does the work that's a good point and and you just have to be open mm-hmm. open to listen to it and capture it mm-hmm. and then it's there when you need it yeah and then if it's for me it's staring me in the face and like, what am i going to do about it i gotta get in action <laughs> yeah well you um this fractional CFO or chief financial officer, and I have one other friend of mine that does that. He he's kind of specializes in microbreweries. Uh-huh. But what I'm imagining is that's given you an incredible opportunity to be exposed to all kinds of different companies and cultures and things like that. I wonder what that's been like for you. Yeah, that is it's very true, and it's something that, that I've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I think s- some people want to go to the same place and do the same job every day, and mm-hmm. that is comfortable to them, and they thrive in that. Mm-hmm. There's other people, and I'm one of the other people, who once I've done something once, I'm like, what's next? <laughs> so so fortunately, working with different companies at different stages, mm-hmm. it's very much more of a consulting practice. Right. And so that way, you're really looking at what's coming up, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Once I solve one problem, what's the next problem that I can do? Yeah. So you never get bored. And I think that's part of being an entrepreneur is is you never get bored. Yeah. And it's also, I found, been very helpful for the companies that I work with because you'll find that I think as a CEO, it can be very lonely. Mm. And as a founder, you can be, be very lonely. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, on one hand, when you're, say, out talking to people in the community, you have to put on your game face, you mm-hmm. know, and everything is positive and you're upbeat and, you know, you're promoting your business and everything's good. Mm-hmm. But it's not always perfect. And sometimes you need to have that person that you can just speak honestly to. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, with, with most of the CEOs that I work with, I could say, I'm that person that you can be honest with. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you're concerned about. Let's talk about the fears, the concerns, the challenges. Mm-hmm. Let's get that out, just the two of us, so that when you go in to meet with the rest of the leadership team or your investors, you work through all that and it's back to right. you know, focusing on the future and focusing on the solutions. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that trusted relationship um, is it, hard to find you know, mm. for, for CEOs. Often they'll find it you – know, you know, possibly in a coach, it may be in other CEOs, it may be in friends, family. Mm-hmm. You know, we all need that person that we can kind of be open with and right. and be vulnerable with. And I think that it it helps in that way is kind of having that having that confidentiality, that safety mm-hmm. to just speak what needs to be said. Right. And I think from the side of the CFO is is knowing that my whole livelihood is not dependent on that one job makes me more willing to speak my mind. Yeah, you can be more, maybe a little more candid than you might have been if you're employed by this person. Yes, because you think sometimes maybe you want to say something, but you're like, I don't want to risk losing my job mm-hmm. for saying that. Mm-hmm. And and we would all like to think that no one should, should risk losing their job for speaking the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a reality of how much push is allowed in an organization, how much you're allowed to challenge. Mm-hmm. And there's a right way and a right place to do that. Mm-hmm. But when when you know that your sole livelihood is not on the line, I think you are more honest. Mm-hmm. And that makes for more trust, and it does make for that better relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking back to the, that book written years ago, um, The Speed of Trust, and how... When you have that mutual trust in an organization, the agility that you're able to create because it's like, I trust that you've got your piece, I've got my piece, but also the ability to solve problems faster because the culture has created an environment where it's okay to speak our own truth that maybe my, my view may be different than yours, but if I can share with you my perspective, we'll probably get to decision faster and be able to implement change more rapidly, things like that. Right, because I think we end up, we'll make better decisions when more people are involved in that process and are comfortable sharing mm-hmm. their perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other advantage I'm imagining is you working with different types of companies, you get exposure to ideas that you may have a non-disclosure agreement over here with this company, but there may be an idea or a concept around our, our approach to something that might be beneficial over in this other type of business. Right, right. And things like relationships with service providers or banks or mm-hmm. what type of accounting software is being used, mm-hmm. uh, those things, you know, what you learn in one organization can help another can organization yeah. very easily without breaking that that confidentiality. And that increases your value that you're able to create for the organizations that you're serving. Right. Absolutely. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun because you get you, you're not just like one one thing. You get to go. Oh, let's go help this company, and let's go help this company. 
Right. That's got to be rewarding. I, I enjoy it because, again, you get to work with a lot of different companies mm-hmm. and, and solve serious problems mm-hmm. and you know, really help the company get to the next stage. Mm-hmm. And, and often I would say that when I'm successful as a fractional CFO, I put myself out of a job. Because um, either if it's an investor-backed company, maybe we had an exit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no longer a CFO position. Right. Or maybe the company has grown to where they need a full-time CFO. Right. And then I can help. And, and it's usually a very natural transition to say, hey, you need someone here full-time. Yeah. Let's help find the right person and do you know a very smooth handoff and have that person here every day. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm um, thinking about another element of the reflect acrostic that you um, – touched on. And you, you talked about earlier around what, what are some of these creative spaces, um, but this idea to each day to be grateful. And you spoke to, for you, it sounded like you have a personal practice of focusing on gratitude of what's happened throughout the day as you're getting ready to go to sleep. Yes, that, that is part of my bedtime ritual is, uh-huh. is when I when I get in bed, I usually read a little bit and then I turn the light out. Mm-hmm. And really, as I'm starting to try to fall asleep, I usually try to say, what are what are 10 things that I'm grateful for mm-hmm. at that moment? And, and I think through it in my mind, more like a prayer kind of, but I'm going through the 10, 10 things and my mind will wander because you know, you'll think of something and then your mind goes off on a tangent and come back. And sometimes I don't finish the full 10, but <laughs> I, I fall asleep in a place of happiness with a smile on my face and joy. Yes. And that allows me to fall asleep. Right. Um, whereas I think if I were to to let my worries overtake that time, mm-hmm. then I would still be laying there tossing yeah. and turning and unable to sleep. Because I think that we take for granted you know, what we have to be grateful for. We don't stop and recognize it and think about it. Mm-hmm. But when you try to go through that list, you're like, okay, gosh, there's a lot more than 10 things, but I need to, to stop because I'm going to fall asleep soon. Yes. And then I think it's uh, my experience in doing that is that I tend to wake up, I sleep better, and then I tend to wake up in a better state of mind, ready to face the day. So yes. we, in, in the coaching space, we talk a lot about, you know, the reticular activating system of our brain, you know, it was designed to keep us safe, but it's also like if I'm intentional about being grateful, I tend to see more things that I'm grateful for. For just like you said, is like I'm thinking about things that I'm grateful, then I think about other things that I'm grateful. It's natural that if I focus on being grateful, um, I have this saying, Maria Spears, my co-author, and I always say is that the more grateful I am, the more grateful I become, and the more things come into my life to be grateful for. Because I'm going to give off a whole different level of positive energy if, if I'm walking in with gratitude than I am if I'm focused on what am I frustrated with or disappointed in or what I don't have. That's a different level of kind of encounter that you might have with people. All right, and that's a very good point is it, it really reflects your, your frame of mind and your reference and being mm-hmm. positive mm-hmm. And, and reflecting that out. Mm-hmm. What's something that, like you, you, if you're open to sharing, maybe something that a recurring sense of gratitude about that's helped you in life, you know, to continue to grow into who you are and becoming the best version of Jennifer that you yeah. want to be? I think it, it starts with family, with my husband, with my mm-hmm. children, with my parents, mm-hmm. um, the place that I'm able to live, that I'm able to live in a beautiful place and just look outside my window and find peace. And I think for the gifts of um, 
you know, family and education, job mm-hmm. opportunities, mm-hmm. and the courage uh, to act on those things and really become my own person. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that probably come up the most. Yeah. Well, those are all great things. Yeah. Family, relationships, where you live, having a sense of yeah. peace about and, all that. And I think health. Yes. Yeah, I think that that's something that, that I, would say I spend a lot more time thinking about um, mm-hmm. now, like, like many people. And I'm really starting to learn a lot more about nutrition and food and how mm-hmm. foods can help us mm-hmm. and being intentional about what we eat and you know, being grateful for the fact that, that I can do that, that we do have wonderful, you know, wonderful ways to nourish our body here and taking mm-hmm. advantage of that. Yes. Um, and you know, thinking to, to nature and things like that as well. Well, you touched on several of what we call in the man school coaching, you call the arena of life. You know, you touched on your relationship with your husband, your intimate relationship, your family, your health, um, your wealth creation. We've been talking about your ability to create value for others. And, and I'm, I'm imagining that leads to generosity. And I really want to shift into um, you specialize as an entrepreneur in helping other entrepreneurial women. And I wondered if you could just talk a little about what, what is it that got you energized about doing that? What's that look like? What are you having fun with right now doing? And what, what is that? What does it mean to be like an investor? It's, it's, it's not all just financial, right? Right. Um, that's a very good, very good question. A lot of it comes from being a female entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So I think you gravitate to what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm drawn to women entrepreneurs. And I think it comes back to when I first started my own business. Mm-hmm. And I had a financial need. And it was taking care of myself and my family. Right. And that's often the number one reason why women start businesses. Mm-hmm. And so women may start different types of businesses. Mm-hmm. And they may have different goals it may be more based on, I want to support my family. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to send my children to college. They have very specific goals. And sometimes that means you think a little bit small. Mm. Um, it's like I'm solving my problem and my customer's problem, my client's problems, my community's problems. Maybe I'm not trying to solve the world's problems mm-hmm. because that's too big right now. Mm-hmm. And so it's often talking to women and really saying, well, what is it that you really, where do you see this going? It can be a lot bigger than mm. what you think it can be. Yes. Don't limit yourself. Yes. Yeah, you know, there's plenty of things out there that will limit you, but don't let it be yourself that's your limiting factor. Mm-hmm. And I also see a lot of women who are very scrappy. You know, mm. uh, people joke, a, a woman can stretch a dollar pretty far. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> and, and being very, very scrappy, but also saying, well, you need to take care of yourself so mm. that you can go as far as you want to go with this business. Mm-hmm. Don't burn yourself out, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally, financially. Find that find that balance. But I think that women entrepreneurs do really well in community with other women entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very, very important. Mm-hmm. So a lot, of, a lot of what I'm doing through Excel Ventures, which is an angel investment fund, it's women investing in women, mm-hmm. comes back to that idea of community. Mm-hmm. And so we got started with the goal of really ways, raising wealth on both sides of the table. And by that, I mean, we want to teach women how to be angel investors mm-hmm. as well as investing in female-owned and led companies so that the entrepreneurs themselves will create wealth. 
Right. So it's, it's both sides because I think under 3% of angel investors are women. Hmm. Most, wow. most women haven't heard of it or aren't comfortable with it. So they want to be exposed to the idea. So it's like, let's expose women to the idea of being an angel investor, mm-hmm. help them get comfortable doing that. And we do that in community. We mm-hmm. do that with our meetings, our membership meetings, and coaching each other. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, looking to them to say, well, you have other talents besides money, other resources that can help a female entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So maybe you have a skill set in marketing Maybe you're great at contract manufacturing or legal finance, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Those skills can help another entrepreneur as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes by helping an entrepreneur, it's not necessarily giving them money. It's giving them the right resource or giving them the right exposure or helping them reach a customer. Mm -hmm. Um, As well, we provide debt financing uh, to women, which helps really support short-term needs. Mm -hmm. So why, why give up a percentage of your company? if you only need the money for a short period of time. Right. Um, so we kind of guide with that. But often, you know, if there's a way that we can help a female entrepreneur increase her sales, that's the best way to grow and fund the business. Yes. So we bring all of those resources together. So we kind of say it's it's a combination of money, mentorship, and marketing. Mm-hmm. And some businesses need all three. Some just need one. It varies, but we try to make those connections. And if it's not a member of our fund that can help, then we'll look to our networks outside of that and find someone mm-hmm. you know, who, who we can really help. Because, you know, in the end, back to we were talking about the community here and the entrepreneurial community, it's all about supporting each other right. and finding those people that you connect with that have a personality and a communication style that works for you mm-hmm. but has the skill set you need and helping each other. And it's yeah. just the right thing to do. Yes. And so Excel really provides a good format to be able to do that in addition to to the financial investments when now those is are Excel venture is it kind of a structured process that you do or is it more informal than just relying upon the talents of the members that are angel investors or how does that work? It is a structured process. So it's based off fairly traditional angel investing models Mm -hmm. where a company will apply. So a company can go to our website, which is Mm excelventures.com and apply. Mm -hmm. And that first comes to our screening committee. And the screening committee is looks at it to see, does this meet our basic requirements? Okay. So is it a female led business? Are they looking for debt financing of up to Mm $100,000? And um, would our funding make a difference? Okay. So we're basically looking for that. And assuming the application meets those criteria, the next step would be to pitch to our screening committee. Okay. And that's a a 10-minute pitch followed by Q&A, very typical. It is more kind of an investment-style approach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if the screening committee feels like this is ready for the membership committee, then we'll will vote to move it forward. Then the entrepreneur will present to this, the same exact thing to the full membership. Mm-hmm. And then we'll take a vote as to whether to proceed. And at that point, there'll be some due diligence and a term sheet with uh, that's specific to that, mm-hmm. that need and that entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And then we'd move on to the closing. Mm-hmm. So it, it is very much more of an angel investment process. Mm-hmm. We just happen to have more of a debt vehicle, an equity vehicle. Okay. And, and we were deliberate in choosing debt. And I think I mentioned one reason, which is that the, the entrepreneur is not having to give up equity and take mm-hmm. that dilution. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. at that stage in the business. But the other is what that allows us to do is get the money repaid back in our fund faster, mm-hmm. which then means that we can deploy it back to another entrepreneur. Right. So we're looking for the, the velocity of Never the fund turning over. Um, and having the fund turn over, say, every two to three years mm-hmm. rather than waiting you know, 10 or more years for an exit that you might have in more of an equity investment. Okay. So you can help more women faster. Exactly. Yeah. But okay. there's there's education involved and, mm-hmm. and helping helping investors become comfortable with this model mm-hmm. and then helping women understand that this is an option uh, for their business. Mm-hmm. What has been the most rewarding being involved in Excel Ventures for you? I think the most rewarding part is is seeing the entrepreneur presentations and pitches. Mm-hmm. I get excited every time <laughs> I see an entrepreneur pitch um, because you can just feel the passion that they have. Yeah. And they're solving a problem right. and you know, get so excited and that excitement rubs off on me. So that is my favorite part of it. Um, and then hearing the updates and hearing the impact that they're having and how their business is growing and knowing how do they measure success. You know, for some entrepreneurs, maybe it's their sales or their profit. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of women, it's how many people they've been able to employ. Yeah. They feel you can tell they're really passionate about creating jobs mm-hmm. um, or solving a problem, mm-hmm. that their, their product or service solves the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and hearing those stories of success from the entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. um, that's, I think that's what, that's what gets me the most excited and fired up. So you, you, one of the aspects you talked about is like, helping other women to become angel investors, have some of the people that you've helped then come on to become members where they're now reinvesting in other women-led businesses? Yes. So many of the members um, in Excel Ventures, this is their first time in an angel investment group. Mm -hmm. They are brand new to it. Wow. That's excellent. So you're blazing a trail for other women. You're helping women with uh, the angel investing. You're helping educate them about how to be successful. You're getting to have fun by being exposed to all this and you bring to bear all the gifts and the talents of the different investors to help others be successful. Yes. And, and I think it's exciting because I think it's, it's really the intersection of women, entrepreneurship and money. And mm-hmm. it, that intersection is, is what, is what it, I get so excited about because there, there's so much wealth is controlled by women already Mm-hmm. There's so much opportunity to direct that into ways that, that really matter to women mm-hmm. um, that that's just that's exciting to get behind that and, and see women recognize the opportunities and the possibilities and, and get excited about that. Step into that. That's awesome. Well, one of the things I like to ask each of my guests, um, we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, fractional CFO kind of work, the angel investing kind of work, you know, some of the things that resonated with you with Reflect the Life You Want. But I'm wondering what is it for yourself right now at this point in life that you're working on, especially to reflect more the life that you want for yourself, Jennifer? I think at this point, I'm really connecting with helping more women CFOs become fractional CFOs and become entrepreneurs themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's that's where I am really most called right now. And I think it's part of it because I believe it's a great opportunity that we're going to be coming into for that business model. Mm-hmm. Good timing for that. But helping them understand that this is something that you can do as something part-time just for yourself. 
you can build a business out of it. You can build your own firm out of it. You mm-hmm. can help create jobs if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But helping helping people understand that there's there's a career that you've built. There's talents and relationships that you've you have developed that can't be recreated by someone else. Mm-hmm. Saying how can you leverage that to have maybe more of the lifestyle you want, more of the professional mm-hmm. career that you want, and still be an entrepreneur at the same time. Yeah. And it's it's a very it's an it's definitely a very specific niche, mm-hmm. um, but that's where I'm really called right now. And mm-hmm. so I'm starting to do um, more community involvement about that, um, more blogging, writing, and then some programming to come mm-hmm. that are that are really helping people become fractional CFOs and be entrepreneurial CFOs and have that have that balance that they may be looking for and maybe don't have right now. Mm-hmm. That's great. What I think I hear from what you're saying is that you want to take what you've learned that you've been blessed by and benefited by and help other women experience the same thing. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. And I look forward to hearing about more success that you're having with that in the future. So you've done all these different kinds of things. You've been a fractional CFO, you've been a mom, you've been a wife, um, you're an angel investor. I'm wondering, there's, you know, there there may be one or more things that to this point in life you've learned that if you could share one pearl of wisdom or one nugget, if you had a brief interaction with someone or an earlier version of yourself, is like, what's that one thing that you would encourage others to do to reflect more of the life that they want? I, th- I would say to trust yourself mm. and go do what you're called to do. Mm. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Often we just put off things and say, someday I'll do that. Yeah. What's wrong with today? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have very few regrets in life because I'm not a person that, like, looks back and holds on to regret. Mm. But if if there is regrets, it's it's usually things like, why didn't I do that sooner? <laughs> and I hear that from other people. Yeah. Um, so when you know the time is right and you feel it in your heart that it is mm. right, do it. Do it. Do it. Take action. That's awesome. That's great wisdom. There are things I can apply in my <laughs> own life for that, so that's so cool. Well, if people want to learn more about Excel Adventures or Fractional CFO or just want to connect with you, what are some good ways to reach out and connect with you, Jennifer? Well, one way is my personal website, and that's jenniferturnage.com. Okay. And there's links on there to my social media as okay. well. But um, my main social media is LinkedIn. Okay. So if you search on Jennifer Turnage, and my last name is spelled T-U-R-N-A-G-E, if you if you focus on Jennifer Turnage on LinkedIn, you will mm-hmm. probably find me. So yeah. I welcome connections. And then um, my personal website also has links to Instagram and Pinterest. If you want to see more of the personal side of my life and less of the professional things that we've been talking <laughs> about today. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be great. Well, when we... When your episode comes out, we'll make sure and have links to your website and your LinkedIn profile so people can connect with you. Any um, thing that's just popping up as we're kind of winding down, like something we haven't talked about or something you thought you might share that uh, is coming up? Let's see. Gosh. Yeah, I think that the main thing is just just being excited about the area that we live in and the Mm -hmm. times that we live in and Mm -hmm. focusing on opportunities, focusing on the positive things that we can control and that that 
that we can go and do to have even what we think is a small impact can end up having a bigger impact in that ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And you know, trying not to get too bogged down in the negative things that are happening around us, you know, still recognizing them, realizing they're, they're there, but trying again to come back to that place of positivity and how can we have an impact. Stay, stay focused on that opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I always like to encourage my guests as we're winding down, and I'm just going to say to you, Jennifer, just go out and reflect more of the life that you want. And I just imagine you having positive impact on many women's lives. It does have that ripple effect in our community and beyond. So I thank you for being a guest of the show today, and uh, thanks for coming in and sharing your wisdom with us. Well, thank you for inviting me. This has been a delightful conversation. Yes. All right. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you.